0: Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday, we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at ISKCONOFDC.org. That's ISKCONOFDC.org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Let us give a warm welcome to His Holiness Raj Swami. The title of the talk is To Grow Spiritually, and Maharaj will be sharing with us a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam that gives us some uh, important information. Sometimes we may... Uh, not be sure about our journey on the path. And we want to be uh, reassured. We want to know we're going the right direction. We want to know that uh, we're going to get there. So he'll be exploring this verse with us today. Um, Maharaj is an author, amongst many other things. He's an initiating spiritual master in in ISKCON. He joined in 1969. Uh, He was a student at Brandeis University he graduated from there, cum laude. Um, but during that time, he met Srila Prabhupada. And uh, I've shared this story before, but it remains one of my favourite. That uh, At that time, he was exploring spirituality and uh, looking at different paths, uh, and one path being the consideration that perhaps we're all God. Um, I'm God, you're God, we're all God. So he was exploring like that, and when eventually he met Srila Prabhupada, the first question Prabhupada, uh, he asked Srila Prabhupada was, I've been looking at these different paths. So you know, how do I know which is the right one? And Prabhupada looked at him and said, well, it depends on what your goal is. Do you want to serve God or do you want to be God? So, <laughs> I think then he knew that this was his spiritual teacher and has done enormous amounts of service for Srila Prabhupada over the years, uh, not least involved in the uh, construction of the temple at Juhu, which is today a a huge center for Krishna consciousness in Mumbai. Uh, His new book coming out is about that story, an incredible story. Um, But he has three other books already in print. Uh, They'll be available here today. Maharaj will sign them and meet with you personally. Very, very inspirational books. So without further further ado uh, we shall um, again welcome his holiness Giri swami thank you hari krishna
1: Hare krishna so welcome to the sunday open house i'm going to read one verse From Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 3, Pure Devotional Service, Text 23. Please repeat after me. Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo So I'll read the Sanskrit th- twice and then uh, the synonyms and translation and purport. Jivanchavo Bhagavatangri Re Numna Jatu Martyo Bilabetayas to Sri Vishnupadhyam Manujas Lasya Svasanchavo Chavoyas to Jivanchavo chavobagagavatunggri Reum Naja toyoabilbetta yes Sri Vishnupadya tu lasya Swa San tu na gandam So I'll just read the synonyms. Jivan, while living. Shava, a dead body. Bhagavat, angri renum, the dust of the feet of a pure devotee. Na, never. Jatu, at any time. Martya, mortal. Abhila-bheta, particularly received ya a person to but shri with opulence vishnu padya of the lotus feet of vishnu manuja a descendant of manu a man tulasya Leaves of the Tulsi tree. Svasan, <coughs> while breathing. <coughs> Shava, still a dead body. Ya, who? Tu, but? Naveda, never experienced. Gundam, the aroma. Translation. A person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced the aroma of the tulsi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body although breathing. Please repeat. The person, who has not at any time the person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet, the dust of, the feet of, the of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body. Is and the person who has never experienced
2: the
1: the aroma of the Tulsi leaves
2: leaves
1: from the lotus feet of the Lord Lord. is also a dead body body. Although although breathing so the 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 purport of this verse and a number of verses in this sequence is that without devotional service, one is dead. Uh, One's body has no value if not engaged in the service of the Lord. Uh, Just like when the soul leaves the body, there's life in the body as long as the soul is present. And as soon as the soul leaves the body, the body is dead. Actually, the body is always dead, but it's animated by the presence of the soul. I say the body is always dead because the body is a machine. A machine has no life, but it's animated by an operator who makes it work. So the soul is a part and parcel of the supreme soul, and its real life is to engage in service to the supreme. Soul. So that's life. And anything other than that is, is, uh, is, is a s- sort of uh, de- death-like uh, existence. A purport by Srila Prabhupada. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, the breathing dead body is a ghost. When a man dies, he is called dead. But when he again appears in a subtle form, not visible to our present vision, and yet acts, such a dead body is called a ghost. So, when the soul leaves the body, uh, if one is not perfect in Krishna consciousness, then uh, one will have to take birth again uh, in another body. And what body one gets depends on how one has lived one's life and uh, one's consciousness at the time of death. The body is also compared to an apartment or, or a house that is occupied by the soul. And if you get notice that you have to vacate your apartment, will you spend your time decorating your apartment so that you can enjoy it for a few more days? Or will you look for where you're going to move next? So if we have been you know, conscientious and uh, earned some money and uh, handled it wisely, we'll be able to afford a better apartment <coughs> or, or, or home. But if we've been irresponsible and haven't uh, managed our finances properly, we won't be able to afford even a place as good as the one we have been in. So when we leave the body, we will have to find some other residence. And so while we're in the body, we should live responsibly and uh, you know, increase our spiritual credits by engaging in devotional service, so we can uh, get a better place, a, a better body. Ghosts are always very bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. So, uh, God, God, Krishna, is very kind. He will give us a body according to our uh, desires. So how does someone get the body of a ghost? Well, first, what is the body of a ghost? Um, According to the Bhagavad Gita, there are five gross elements and our 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 gross bodies are made of those five gross elements. And then there's a subtle body, which is our mind, intelligence, and ego. So, generally, the subtle body, in other words, our mentality or our consciousness at the time of death, will take us to our next destination, our next body. But there are some exceptional cases in which the living entity does not get a gross body, but only has the subtle body. And such, such a person is called a ghost. Uh, so how does one become a ghost? Not that any of you should try to, but just so we know what not to do. Uh, The most, probably the most common way to become a ghost is to commit suicide. Because when one commits suicide, in effect, one is saying, I don't want a gross body. But why does someone commit suicide generally because they're disappointed uh, and frustrated I- I- in life. So they come into this unfortunate situation in which they have material desires. Though those material desires, being frustrated, was what led them to commit suicide. But they don't have a gross body with which to fulfill those desires. So they're very frustrated. And in order to fulfill their desires, they will try to possess someone else's body. They'll try to enter into your body and fulfill their desires through your senses, which uh, it creates a a fearful situation. There was a movie I think in the 1980s called Ghosts. And uh, I never saw movies after I uh, joined the movement. But devotees were talking about it. And they surmised that the person who had written the script had read *Shrimad Bhagavatam because that person really understood about the soul leaving the body and occupying the body of a ghost and what it's like to to be in the body of, of a ghost like there's one scene in the oh yeah so then so anyway, okay, I heard it, but that's, I'm not gonna go to see a movie. But then that movie uh, was screened on a, on a flight I took. In those days, they'd have like a screen and everyone would watch the same movie. And that flight happened to be showing ghosts. And uh, I just, I mean, it was actually quite fascinating. I just remember one scene, the ghost is on a uh, is on a, a railway station platform, and he wants to smoke a cigarette. And there's a vending machine, but he doesn't have money. He doesn't have uh, a gross body, but he's, he's, he's like he's, he's so he wants that cigarette. He's like banging on the vending machine, but to no avail. So. Oh yes, and one other way to become a ghost is to be very, like, um, you know, there's whatever you think of at the time of death, that will determine your next life. So like, they say, you know, if a chaste wife thinks of her husband at the time of death, she'll be born as a man in her next life. There's so many examples. One was uh, King Bharat, he was very advanced, but he became attached to a deer, and he became a deer in his next life. But because he was so advanced, he was given the power to remember his previous life as a devotee. And then after one life in the body of a deer, he became uh, a, a great devotee, Jad Bharat. So, but becoming a ghost, how do you become a ghost, other than committing suicide? If you're attached to a physical place, like there are many castles that are reputed to be haunted, because the occupants were very attached to their castles. So at the time of death, if they thought of their castle, they can't take birth as a castle because it's not a life form, but they take birth as a ghost and live in the castle. There's like so many castles that are haunted. But ghosts can be both driven away and also liberated from their ghostly existence by the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. And therefore, Srila Prabhupada encouraged devotees, because sometimes there were good properties available for a lesser price because of being haunted. So Srila Prabhupada encouraged devotees, you can get this nice property, don't worry about the ghosts, you can have kirtan and the ghosts will go away. So ghosts are always bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. Similarly, the ghost-like non-devotees, who have no respect for the pure devotees, nor for the Vishnu deity in the temples, create a fearful situation for the devotees at all times times. The Lord never accepts any offerings by such impure ghosts. So by, by nature, by constitution, every living entity, every soul is eternal servant of Krishna. Lord Chaitanya says, "Jive Svarupai Krishna and Nityadas." But being covered by, you know, the gross and subtle material bodies, and being ignorant of one's actual position, one acts like a non-devotee. And in this purport, Śrīla Prabhupāda is comparing the non-devotees to ghosts. And there's a very beautiful verse in the Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu by Śrīla Rūpa Goswami, which is also quoted in the original Sanskrit in Śrīla Prabhupāda's translation of Śrī Charitamrita. tamrita It says, uh, Bhukti-mukti-sprihat-yavat. So, the idea is that the desire for bhakti, material enjoyment, and the desire for mukti, impersonal liberation, of merging into the light of God, impersonal effulgence, uh, these desires. Are belong to someone who is ghostly haunted. Now, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful verse in Sanskrit and it has a deep meaning. The meaning is this, that if a ghost possesses you, you will think things that are not usual for you. They're 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 foreign to you. They're they're actually the 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 thinking of the ghost. Once a disciple asked Srila Prabhupada that sometimes these terrible thoughts pass through my mind, which I would never think, you know, in my right consciousness. And um, you know, is that like the influence of a ghost? And Srila Prabhupada said, It it could be. So when ghosts possess us, they uh, influence us to desire things that ordinarily we wouldn't desire. So Rupa Goswami says that the the desire for for bukti and mukti uh, is, is like someone who's haunted by a ghost, it's foreign, it's not really us, that's not really what we want. So, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about getting in touch with yourself and being authentic, which we should. We should get in touch with ourselves and be authentic. But getting in touch with ourselves means our actual spiritual being as eternal servants of Krishna. So how do we become a servant of Krishna? There is a common saying that one should first love the dog of the beloved before one shows any loving sentiments for the beloved. It said, Love me, love my dog. But what is the purport here? The stage of pure devotion is attained by sincerely serving a pure devotee of the Lord. The first condition of devotional service to the Lord is therefore to be a servant of a pure devotee. And this condition is fulfilled by the statement, quote, Reception of the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee who has also served another pure devotee." That is the way of pure disciplic succession or devotional parampara. So, yeah, as stated here, we, we, we need to receive the dust of the lotus feet of the pure devotee on our head. And uh, it could mean, the, literally, the dust, if we're so fortunate. Uh, but generally, it means to receive the mercy of the pure devotee, which comes in the form of the devotee's instructions on devotional service. Uh, that is how we can begin the, uh, uh, on the path of pure devotional service. And how did that pure devotee become a pure devotee? By serving another pure devotee who served another pure devotee. And that is the uh, system of pure devotional parampara. Like you see on the altar, we have Srila Prabhupada who served his spiritual master, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, who served his spiritual master, Srila Gorki Shardas Babaji, who served his spiritual master, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who served his spiritual master, Srila Jagannath Das Babaji. And in this way, that that chain goes all the way back to Krishna. Krishna is the original spiritual master. He has perfect knowledge, and he he imparts that perfect knowledge to his disciple, that disciple imparts it to his disciple, and then that way it comes uh, to us. So the knowledge descends to us through parampara and our service is offered up through parampara. Maharaj Rahugana inquired from the great Saint Judd Bharat as to how he had attained such a liberated stage of a paramahansa. Paramahansa is like the highest stage of sannyas or devotional life. In an answer, the great saint replied as follows. Bhagavatam 5.12.12 Prahuganaita 12. <laughs> tapasanayati na ce vapanad grihadva na chandasanay jalagni suryayar Vinamahat O King Rahugana, the perfectional stage of devotional service or the Paramahamsa stage of life cannot be attained unless one is blessed by the dust of the feet of great devotees in italics Prabhupada. It is never attained by tapasya, austerity, by the Vedic worshiping process, acceptance of the renounced order of life, the discharge of the duties of household life, the chanting of the Vedic hymns or the performance of penances in the hot sun, within cold water, or before the blazing fire. So, yeah, there's <laughs> there's no other way to attain pure devotional service other than being blessed by the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee. And there's so many other methods that are discounted in this verse as ways. The only way is by the mercy of Pure devotee who has served another pure devotee. In other words, Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees. And as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly. So, Srila Prabhupada illustrated this point very graphically and dramatically and vividly in Madras in 1971. I had gone there to begin our activities there, I was the first devotee from Iskand to go to Madras. And in the course of my preaching, I I, I, I met uh, many important people and cultivated them. And one of them was the chief justice of the uh, high court of of, uh, Madras. And so... I arranged a program for Srila Prabhupada out, outdoors in a, in a pandal, uh, a simple pandal, uh, that was attended by, uh, by judges and, uh, and lawyers. And in his talk, uh, Srila Prabhupada spoke about the six Goswamis that they kicked off the association of aristocracy as insignificant, and they they, they put on loin cloths and they joined the movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, and so Srila Prabhupada appealed to the audience that they also should join the movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Well, oh, after the uh, program in the Pondo, we went to the Chief Justice's home. And uh, the, the Chief Justice uh, gave Srila Prabhupada some gifts. Uh, one of those, I, you know, it's a nice thing, it's it's a, like a sandalwood garland. They, they like They shave the sandalwood very thin and... Make it into a garland, and uh, gave him a little silver Krishna. So, Srila Prabhupada had been speaking about the mood of separation in this talk in relation to the six Goswamis, and he demonstrated how. So, the process of separation and how it leads to meeting with Krishna. So, at, at the program was uh, a couple, uh, Shamsundar and Malati, who had a daughter named Saraswati, who was, you know, maybe three years old then. And uh, so Srila Prabhupada held this silver Krishna in front of Saraswati. And that like captivated her attention. And she, she sort of became attached to it. And then uh, he moved the, the deity behind his back, so the deity was not visible. And he said, uh, Saraswati, where is Krishna? And she became like so anxious. Like This is a mood of separation, really. She became so anxious. Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? She was looking all over, looking all over the room, looking at all the devotees. She couldn't find Krishna. So then Prabhupada did it again. He took it out, said Saraswati, where is Krishna? And again, she was like in so much anxiety to find Krishna, and looking everywhere. And then finally, her mother, Malati, gave helped her a little, and said, "Saraswati, who has Krishna?" And immediately, Saraswati's eyes opened wide, and she had like a, a complete recognition and she said Prabhupada has Krishna (laughs) so then she went running up to Srila Prabhupada on his seat and he he brought out the Krishna so this uh, when I read these words it reminded me of that Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees. And as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Hare Krishna. So Prabhupada had Krishna, and when Saraswati's anxiety, her feelings of separation were intense enough, he delivered Krishna to her. So, it, Sri Krishna is the property of his pure unconditional devotees, and as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly. Lord Chaitanya therefore designated himself as Gopi Bhartu Padakamalayor Dasa Dasa Anudasa, or the most obedient servant of the servants of the Lord who maintains the Gopi damsels at Vrindavan. So this principle of serving the servant of the servant of the servant operates both in the material world and in the spiritual world we have our parampara here we serve our guru or gurus who serve their guru or gurus and so on and in the spiritual world also there's something like a parampara we don't we don't serve radha and krishna directly but we serve them you know, under the guidance and by the mercy of their servants, 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 or maidservants. A pure devotee therefore never approaches the Lord directly, but tries to please the servant of the Lord's servants. And thus the Lord becomes pleased and only then can the devotee relish the taste of the tulsi leaves stuck to his lotus feet. In the Brahma Samhita, it is said that the Lord is never to be found by becoming a great scholar of the Vedic literatures, but he is very easily approachable through his pure devotee. vedeshudurlabam Durlabham Adurlabham Atma Bhaktam In Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of Śrīmatī Rādhārāṇī. In Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of who? Śrīmatī Rādhārāṇī, the pleasure potency of Lord Krishna. Śrīmatī Rādhārāṇī is a tender-hearted feminine counterpart Of the Supreme Whole resembling the perfectional stage of the worldly feminine nature. In the nectar of devotion, uh well, Srila Rupa Goswami and Srila Prabhupada uh, discuss Krishna's qualities. And one of his qualities is compassion, compassionate, and uh, Srila Prabhupada says that it's very hard to approach Krishna directly because he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but we can approach him easily through his compassionate nature, which is represented by Shimati Radharani. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's in the purport, but if it's not, I'll say it. Therefore, the mercy of Radharani is available very readily to the sincere devotees, and once she recommends such a devotee to Lord Krishna, the Lord at once accepts the devotee's admittance into his association. This is amazing. You can have Krishna's direct association through the mercy of Srimanti Radharani. But we get her mercy by approaching uh, you know, by serving the servants of the services of In yeah, and if Dev and if Srimati Radharani recommends someone then Krishna accepts. In Varshana which is Radharani's hometown in Vraja, they say, whatever Radha does, Krishna likes. And whatever Radha likes, Krishna does. So so if 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 she wants to recommend you, then Krishna will definitely accept. The conclusion is, therefore that one should be more serious about seeking the mercy of the devotee than that of the Lord directly. And by one's doing so, by the goodwill of the devotee, the natural attraction for the service of the Lord will be revived. So there's an important verse in the Bhagavad Gita uh, actually, these devotees who we serve are... And it's it's mentioned here in, the, in uh, the the verse from the fifth canto, Mahat or Mahatma, great soul. So the Bhagavad Gita says, uh, Mahatmanas to Mampartha, Daivim, Prakritim, Asrita. That the Mahatmas, the great souls, are under the protection of the divine energy, Daivim, Prakriti, and that divine energy is... Shimati Radharani. So through this parampara system ultimately we're taking shelter of Shrimati Radharani and by her mercy we can attain uh, the service of Krishna. But there is a little esoteric point here for Gaudiya Vaishnavas and that is that that they actually want to serve Radharani more than they want to serve Krishna. But of course, they're together, but um, yeah. Srila Siddhanta Saraswati, our Srila Prabhupada's spiritual master, said that a, uh, a worshiper of Vishnu is called a Vaishnavite. And a worshipper of Krishna is called a Krishnite. And a worshipper of Radharani is called a Godia. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's us. So thank you very much. Um, we do have a, f- a few minutes for uh, questions and reflections. Thank oh, yes.
2: Okay. Hello. Excellent talk, Prabhu. Now, just uh, I haven't read uh, Bhagavatam yet, you know, so. Maybe naive questions for further clarifications. Two naive questions. One is uh, uh, the, the, the way I understood. You know, ghosts do bad. It's not always they do bad. They do. They does good as well. You know, the the soul selects that body to fulfill. You know, the finish the good good job. You know, the, the job as well. That's the question number one. Uh, you want me to go? Question number two. Or?
1: Well, um, if the if the living entity who became a ghost was engaged in good work, why did he become a ghost? It means that overall his activities were not good. So that's that's how he became a ghost. Uh, but so. But if you want to do good activities, you don't need to wait for a good ghost to take possession of your body, just do your good activities.
2: Okay, next. My last question, second question. Uh, uh, The person who don't understand the value of tulasi doesn't mean that uh, he is a dead body. Because God gave uh, His brain to use only partially, you know, not full, 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 you know, uh, totally understand uh, the value of uh, Tulasi. It doesn't mean that He is a dead body.
1: Well, that's your opinion, but uh, Srimad Bhagavatam has a different opinion, and the reason is, uh, as I said in the, my introductory remarks that the real life of the living entity is devotional service. So if the living entity is not engaged in devotional service, he's like a dead body. Now, it could be that someone is innocent. I mean, you you, you actually are touching on a very important point here, that although in broad terms we can say devotees and non-devotees, but actually there are... Three categories: the devotees, the uh, innocent people, Balisha, they are like children; they're innocent, they don't know. And then the the envious. So the preacher, according to Shrimad Bhagavatam, uh, prema, kripa, mitrupeksha. Sorry. Uh, Prema, Maitri, Kripa, Upeksha. So, Prema, he gives his love to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Maitri, he makes friendship with the devotees. Kripa, he shows mercy to the innocent. And Upeksha, he uh, neglects the envious. Because if you preach to the envious, it usually makes the situation worse. We can engage them in service. Sort of without their knowing it, even, or give them prasad, but we can't preach to them. So, uh, yeah, but Kripa is for the innocent people. So there could be innocent people who who don't know about Tulsi. They're not demons. They're not. Yeah, I agree with you. Hi, Krishna. Yes.
0: Uh, Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you very much for your beautiful talk. Um, I'd really like to ask you um, about if a Vaishnava, a devotee, takes their life, it's an unusual situation but I have known a couple of Mm. devotees Um, and it's always a grey area that I feel devotees don't really discuss because there isn't like a siddhanta on that. for whatever reason, that devotee is impelled to take their own life. Do you have any thoughts on this, of what their, um, I don't know, you could say destination, or what your thoughts might be on that topic?
1: That's a good question, and it, it, it has happened. Um, there was a an associate of Lord Chaitanya named. J- Chota Haridas, Junior Haridas. And Junior Haridas uh, was in the renounced order of life, and he he, he went to beg some uh, cooking <coughs> provisions from uh, Madhavi, who was a very advanced lady devotee, elderly lady and uh, associate of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But while there, he, he looked lustfully at, at Madhavi's daughter, who was an attractive young lady. And Lord Chaitanya, as the omniscient Lord, knew it and he rejected junior haridas uh, he's, he, he's he said you know he's he's in the renown store and he's looking lustfully at women he's he's banned from my association uh, he was also a good kirtan singer so Lord Chaitanya's associates, principal associates, sort of Dhammadhar Goswami and others, they all appealed to him you know, after some time uh, to be merciful and, and take him back. And Lord Chaitanya said no. So Junior Haridas went to uh, the confluence of the Ganges and Yamuna and Saraswati Triveni at Allahabad. And he committed suicide. There are, if you want to say, a couple of methods of Vaishnav suicide. So one is to drown yourself at Triveni, another is to jump from Govardhan Hill. But, the, but, but I should clarify that that. that That mood of wanting to give up one's life comes from feelings of separation in in devotees. It doesn't come from, you know, frustrated material desires, like ordinary people. So, um, so eventually, you know, Surab Damodar is very intelligent. You know that no one was seeing. Junior Haridas, so Saru Damodar Goswami, surmised that he had committed suicide. So they told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he said, if, if he's committed suicide, very good. So this sounded like a very harsh statement from Lord Chaitanya, who's the ocean of mercy. But Junior Haridas came back in a subtle form. I don't, know if he, I don't think I'd say he's a ghost. But anyway, he came back in a subtle form and he would sing for Lord Chaitanya. And Lord Chaitanya would hear his his kirtan and appreciate him and, and, and reciprocate with him. So, um, then, then, Srila Prabhupada had a disciple, a very good disciple, who was a, a sannyasi. And uh, apparently he fell down. Uh, and in Mayapur he asked Srila Prabhupada, you know, he was he referred to the story of Chotahari Das and he said, What, you know, what's what is the proper atonement for uh, sannyasi who's fallen down should he do like junior Haridas and Srila Prabhupada he began by saying yes but then he went further to say you know in the case of a devotee he, he should you know he should keep his body and soul together for the sake of devotional service and so on but, but but Prabhupada's disciple, he, as soon as he heard yes, like he, he he dropped behind the group that was walking with Srila Prabhupada. And he, we, we, anyway, and he, he did. He went to the Trivani and he committed suicide. Because later some devotees went and made inquiries and the local sadhu said yes. There, there was a white man, he came. And he, um, I guess he attached rocks to his legs, you know, so, and, and that's what he did. So, as far as the destination, Srila Prabhupada said, and it stands to reason, that it would depend on the consciousness. If the devotee is committing suicide, I mean that kind at the Triveni, in the mood of separation, like Junior Haridas was in the mood of separation. If he if he gives up his life in the mood of separation, then uh, yeah, he'll he'll come back. Uh, junior he had the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But if he does it as a sort of like ritual, uh, atonement, then, um, yeah, I mean, Prabhupada didn't say exactly what his destination is, but it's not the same as someone who does it in the mood of separation. So, yeah. But whoever it is, they, they all benefit from our prayers. So, if, if you know someone, <laughs> well, we should pray for everyone as much as. But, you know, especially if you're feeling for someone who committed suicide, can pray. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Hare <laughs> Krishna. So, um, Maharaja will be sitting